But God, you're a God of grace, and as we've heard, you're unchanging. And that promise you've given us that I'll be with you, Lord, means that you will enable us to honor what we've sung and prayed. And so, God, I pray that as Steve ministers, we'd hear your word. But, Lord, also we would receive what we need to be able to honor the word that you've spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Goodness me, can you do a little bit better? Good morning, church. I'm going to share with you this morning about uh, People Matter. But before I do that, I um, want to just share a little bit more, if you don't mind, about, a little bit about myself, about us, to give a, a little bit of context to who's this guy who's sharing there and looks like sharks gear. Um, so... <clears throat> We moved down to Cape Town three years ago. Delighted to be back in Cape Town. I grew up in Cape Town. My wife, Dale, is a Zululand Tombi from Ishawi. There's such a place as that. Uh, and, but we've been married for 37 years this year. That's great. We've got two wonderful kids who are married. Our daughter and son-in-law in Cape, in Cape Town and Heart Bay. Our son and daughter-in-law in the UK with our first two grandchildren. Fantastic. And it was the little ones, our little granddaughter's birthday yesterday. So that was great. Of the 40 years that I've had in work, approximately 20 years of that has been in ministry, as John said. First in a church in Sabi. We planted the church. At the time, we didn't know there was such a thing as church planting. Then um, co-pastoring and then leading a church in Richards Bay and then in East London. And that's where we got to know John as well. And again, I want to say thank you to John and to the leadership of this church for entrusting this guy to share a bit this morning. Um, for the last three years... I've been running a center for entrepreneurship for False Bay College. I um, stepped out of paid ministry or working within the church, but I'm still in ministry. Uh, I love the space of developing people, and it's a real privilege to see them that happening. Um, you might occasionally, I, I write once a month that comes out in the local community paper. You might see that about business. I write for your business magazine. Also, every two weeks, I've got a short little program on CCFM called Hashtag Hope is Rising. And the reason I named it that was because at the time, two years ago, there was a lot of hashtag, this must fall, this must fall. So I thought, let's move in the opposite spirit. So enough of us. I can also say, like I said to the first service, I am married to the best little grade R teacher, little, not little, my wife, little, little people, in South Africa. And uh, I'm so glad that she's here with me. So thank you to John and Graham at the back there. So first John and second John at the back. <laughs> so people matter. Seeing people like Jesus 
Uh, I love the way some of the challenges that we face Monday to Saturday were raised prophetically. And uh, I want to try and give a few thoughts on how to fill those and meet those gaps. The challenge about, I'm a, I'm a believer, but how does that work here on Monday? You see, it's my privilege to minister here, but it's also my privilege on Monday to minister in the same, with the same sense of honor and, and, and impact, as is you, as is you. I found this rather old illustration, and I hope you'll bear with me um, as I read it to you. Uh, it's a lovely illustration. It's called The Master's Touch. Now, we're talking about people matter. I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's about this old, battered, out of tune, dusty violin that comes up for auction. And this is how it goes. It was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth the while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bid for this old violin? Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, who'll make it two? Two dollars, who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no, from the back of the room, a gray-haired man came forward and took up the bow. Then, wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as the angels sing. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for this old violin? As he held it up with its bow. A thousand dollars, who'll make it two, two thousand, who'll make it three, three thousand going once, three thousand going twice, going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them said we don't quite understand. What changed its worth, came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with his life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he shuffles along. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the thoughtless crowd never can quite understand the worth of the soul and the change that it wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Come on now. Isn't that so? It was not, we know this to be true, it was not how good we are, it was not how much we've reformed, it was not how much we've done, it was his value on us and what he did that made the difference. I wonder, are there any folk here who have been touched by the master's hand? Now, some of you are sort of kind of, you've been touched by the master's hand. Would you agree with that? Why? Because he's placed such a value on you. I was, uh, John mentioned that we met each other in East London. And for those of you in East London, there is a quaint 
old store there called Sparks, like a super spa place. But the, the, what's quaint about it, similar to A.P. Jones in Fishhook, is that you can go there and not just buy groceries, you can buy clothes and you can buy stationery and you can buy camping gear and all sorts of things. It was in such a superstore that some hooligans broke in. And uh, all they did, they didn't steal one thing, didn't take one thing. All they did was they spent the night swapping out the price tags. Yeah? And so the next morning, people went along, and they didn't really know the price of things. They would take it to the till, and they got a shock, and they got a surprise. Because suddenly, this man who came with these baked beans was charged 1,500 rand. And this lady who succumbed to buying this diamond ring was charged 2 rand 99. Who determines our worth? What determines our worth? Is it the bank balance? Is it our qualifications? Is it what side of the street I am born on? Is it um, <clears throat> that I've got a long history? Is it that I'm a certain race? Thank God it's not that. You see, your and my value is determined by the price, the cost that someone is willing to pay. And Jesus settled for all time that we are of incalculable value. Why? Because he said, and he's this, the most well-known verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So do you get the sense that, that we are privileged this morning. We are so privileged to be valued by God like that. But there was a time when we didn't know that value. And so that's the purpose of this morning. I want to share with you about the value that Jesus posts on us. I'm going to give you 10 quick snapshots from the book of Luke. And then we're going to look at a video, not a real video. I'm going to go drill down into one story. But here are a few snapshots. By the way, I know that there's, the Bible should never be used as this is the formula. This, these are the steps. But the Bible does say whatever was written in the past was written to encourage us and through it we may have hope. What's it? The, through the lessons, this, the, the life that we get in the Word. So this morning I want to look at the book of Luke and I want to just unpack quickly some things that God says and does, Jesus, about value, the value of people. Firstly, in Luke 5, verse 12 to 13, there is a leper. What do we know about lepers? In that time, they were the outcast. If, if we were the community, they would be perhaps outside of the building. They would not be allowed amongst us. They were, they were set apart. They were alienated. And this leper cries out to Jesus, and he says, If you are willing, you can make me whole. You can cleanse me. I, I wonder how Jesus said this. 
He said, I am willing. Be made whole. I, I suggest to you that he, he actually took the man's hand. He had a contact with him. Do you see that? What does it say? The, the outcast has value. Jesus is accused of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. How many of you would like that accusation? Oh, that guy, that John. First John, second John. Uh, that John, he's a friend of sinners. What does it mean? It doesn't mean that you, that you skate very close to compromise. What it means is that you live out the one who's taken hold of your life. You, you, you believe that. You, you love the sinner and the despise it. There's a woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 years. She spent all she has on trying to get healed. Gone to doctors. She is now financially bankrupt, emotionally wrecked, and at the end of her tether. And she hears about Jesus, and she follows, and there's a massive crowd. How, how big do you think this lady was, and how strong was she? I suggest that she was perhaps not a very big lady. I think that, that uh, all of that stuff that happened to her emaciated her. I think, I think she, was, she was frail, I suggest to you. And here's this crowd, and she bodges away through. Why? Because, because she knows that there's Jesus. We know what happens. She touches Jesus, power goes out from him, and uh, he stops the crowd. Who touched me? What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. You know, everyone. And he says, no, someone touched me because I felt power go out from me. This woman, recognizing that Jesus has felt this power, comes and falls at his feet, afraid. But he says, woman, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You see, this woman again was someone who society had overlooked. Society's commentary was, let's move on. We can't do a thing. I want you to know that there's not one person who is in that boat in this world that God does not value the same as you and me. Jesus preaches in a town, the town or people tend to reject him. And the disciples, aren't they really friendly and kind? They say, Lord, shall we call fire from heaven to consume them? Now, that's good evangelism, isn't it? And you know what happened? They got offended on his behalf. Do you know it's possible to get offended on others' behalf and actually miss the plot? And here's the other amazing thing. They actually believed that they had, there was the possibility that they could call fire from heaven. Otherwise, why say something as strange as that? And Jesus says to them, you don't know what spirit you're of. For the Son of Man came not to destroy men's life, but to save them. Know that his intention for the world has not changed. He's not out to destroy, he's out to save. There is the crippled woman in the synagogue. She's bent over, okay? And it speaks of 
almost a disregard. And he's, and, he, and he's filled with compassion. And the Pharisees are watching him to see if he's going to do something on the, on the Sabbath so they can accuse him. And he heals her. Nochal. And they are offended. <laughs> and isn't it amazing? A miracle has happened in their midst with someone that they know. Someone who was bent over, who's now standing up, but they choose to see the law broken rather than the woman healed. I want you to know Jesus does not deal kindly with our religiosity. He loves the people. In, in uh, Luke 18, the children are wanting to come to Jesus. And I pause and I ask you, how, how easy do children find us? young little children you know uh, the 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 disciples well meaning were trying to keep them away the the children away from Jesus because it could be a waste of time Jesus said no let them come because of such is the kingdom of God i want you to know that Jesus loves children the elderly and every range and shape and size in between is that true Ten, ten lepers come past Jesus. He heals them. He says, go show your, yourself to the priest to fulfill uh, a Jewish requirement. Ten of them go. One of them pauses and stops. Alan, like you spoke, you sang about us, that we need to be grateful. And this man comes back and says, thank you, Jesus. And Jesus asks the question, weren't there ten who were healed? What happened to the other nine? Now, at that point, you could say, Jesus could say, well, that's it. I'm now only going to focus on those who reciprocate my love, who, who appreciate me. You know, the world standard is, I will be kind to you if you're kind to me. I will give to you if you'll give to me. I will love you if you'll love me. But Jesus, the love of God, is given without need for reciprocation. That's amazing. Think about yourself at work, on Monday, wherever you are, at pick and pay, in the traffic, wherever you are, think about living out salt and light without requiring that you be paid back. Bartimaeus cries out and uh, the people, he hears that there's some noise and who's that? No, that's Jesus. So he stands up and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they tell him, keep quiet. Don't, in, in other words, you are of not sufficient value. But he shouts the more. Jesus calls him. He is healed. I want you to know there's not one cry from here or outside there that Jesus does not hear right? Zacchaeus, that chief of tax collectors, apparently he was short in stature and he'd heard about Jesus. And uh, I think that he was driven by the wrong things and suddenly he realized that his life was at little purpose. And he'd heard something in Jesus resonated with him. And so he climbs a tree 
And Jesus walks past and looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down because I would have a meal with you today. I would come to your house today. Here's the thing. Jesus chooses to be with us. He's not uh, a, a coming on a tour. He's not coming to see us occasionally. He comes to, he chooses to dwell with us. Do you know what? Not only does Jesus love you, he likes you. Isn't that nice? He likes you. And finally, Jesus makes a claim and he says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to seek. Notice that? To seek and to save that was lost. It ends, that one ends on a mission. I want to suggest to you that we, every one of us, are on a mission. You are on a mission. Take a look at this. Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? You love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and with all your strength. And he said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So he summed up the law there. We are to love our neighbor. And we can't do that if our value system of them is not the same as the master. So here's a thought just on that mission at work. There is a distinction brothers and sisters, between the church work and the work of the church. Church work is what you, and they're both vital, is what you do for the organized institution of the church. The work of the church is what is done between Sundays when the church is scattered all over Cape Town, in all of those areas. Let's go to the, the last three. Thank you. Okay, thanks, John. So seeing people like Jesus, here's the story of the woman who came and washes Jesus' feet with her tears and anoints his feet with perfume. It's a bit long, but I just want to drill down a bit. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with the tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And there you see I've highlighted in yellow, do you see this woman? He turns towards the woman and says to Simon, do you see this woman? Let me pause and bring it into context. When you look around, why don't you just look around? They're so beautiful. They're so handsome. They're so lovely. Isn't that right? So good to, to be together. But tomorrow, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, when you look at 
the person at work or the person that serves you or the person in the traffic, etc. Here's the question. Do you see them like Jesus sees them? Or are they just means to an end? Do you really see them? Jesus goes on and he says, I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. And she, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So I want to share seven thoughts with you. Let's go. Firstly, Jesus went to the Pharisee's heart. He didn't wait for the Pharisee to come to him. He went there. Our mission field, understand, is where you are. Whatever you do tomorrow, whether it's employed, unemployed, self-employed, retired, at school, at college, you are in the mission field. It's where people are. Secondly, when the Pharisee saw this, so this Simon, he measured things, he judged things, and he said, ha, huh, this woman is a sinner. And you know what? It stopped him. It prevented him from seeing the real value of the woman. I want to ask you, I know that I've had prejudices and judgments and stuff in my life, and I've had to say to the Lord, Lord, just won't you please help me to get over it? Won't you please help me to understand that that's wrong? Won't you help me to have a proper view? So don't let behavior misdirect your scene. Thirdly, he says, she's a sinner. Made a judgment. Check your attitude towards your mission. You know, uh, Terry shared about it's easy when it's going well and when you're in the praises of God, but it's not so easy when the environment you're in there's lots of swearing and contention, etc. Is that right? At, on a Monday. But check your attitude. You know, jo Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God wanted to forgive them. And he, and he had an attitude. Is that true? He had an attitude. And he had to have a belly of a whale or a whale of a belly <laughs> experience before that attitude changed. Let's go to the next two and here's an interesting one. He says to himself, he didn't proclaim it, and Jesus answered him, I suggest to you that's by the Spirit. I suggest to you he saw something that um, was revealed to him. Child of God, we cannot hope to have the impact that God wants us to have in our workplace, etc., without the partnership of Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, he didn't do anything unless he saw the Father doing it. He told us in John 16 that he, the Holy Spirit, would reveal all things to you. I told a story. I'll try and repeat it quickly. Uh, we were in Peter Maritzburg. We'd just finished ministering at a church. We were about to uh, leave back down to East London having lunch at the Golden Egg. Remember that? I don't think they're around anymore. Uh, with the pastor and his wife, and the waitress came towards us, and she was about 40 or so, a Zulu lady. And as she came, the Lord said to me, ask her about her three children. So, so, you know, she didn't walk around saying, I've got three children. It was something that was revealed. By the way, if the Lord uses you, then you must also ask him for wisdom. You know, you don't become weird. 
Imagine me standing up in the golden egg. The Lord shows me you've got three children. Okay, get that man out of here. <laughs> so I started a conversation with her. Asked her about how long she was at Golden Egg and then asked her about her family. She said to me, I've got two children. So I thought, okay, I've missed it. And, and that's possible. You know, we're, we're limited. It's possible to miss things. But the Lord said, no, no, no. Ask her about her three children. So I insisted. Up to that point, she was polite, she was responsive, but she was, it was limited. At that time, it was as if a tap had opened and she broke and began to cry. Why? Because she had three children and the third child had got sick. She wanted to take that child to a doctor. Her husband said, no, take him to a witch doctor. Consequently, he died. And that listening opened her up amazingly more than if I was kind to her and gave her a tip or a big tip. Do you see that? She wouldn't have shared that. Finally, uh, not finally, now which of you will love him more? Remind yourself that you have been forgiven. Remember, she had been forgiven 500 denarii and therefore she would love him more. I find I have these struggles in my head. I, I don't always feel like loving. I don't always see correctly. And that's why I need to remind myself. And she said, this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. Ask God to change your view of the mission field. You see, you may be saying right now, you don't know. Monday to Friday is a waste for me. It's just, I'm just wasting my time. I want you to notice that the vast majority of people, including Simon, thought that this evidence of extravagance was a waste. It actually says that. What a waste, including some of the disciples. Jesus, to whom it was done, said, what a worship. I want you to know that when you do your, your mission, whatever it is, no matter how humble, how big, whatever it is, it is a worship. In the toy shop, it is a worship. Teachers, any teachers here? Okay, and you may be constrained. You can't, you can't uh, openly pray, etc. But it is a worship. Retires? Anyone retired here? So you may be in contact with people and friends, and you may say, "Well, we're just biding time." Absolutely not. Consider that you are on a mission. The final thing is, whoever's been forgiven little loves little. Remain grateful and accept your vision, your mission. I'm going to ask uh, John to play a little clip, and I hope some of you will remember this clip from the 1960s. It was a series.
most of those actors are either 80 plus or they're no longer alive. But here's the thing about Mission Impossible. They received that with a lighting of a match, and here was the thing that they said, and I'll make it contemporary to Tom Cruise, Ethan, Ethan Hunt, I think. Mr. Hunt, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to save the world by destroying Russia, whatever it was. Okay? Did you notice that? Mr. Hunt, child of God, your mission, should you choose to accept it, the Mission Impossible agents had the choice. And I suggest to you, we have the choice. But oh, we have the reason to accept the mission that is given to us. And tomorrow morning, you and I have the possibility to live out the first part of that commitment to the mission. I'm going to pray in a moment. I just want to say three things that I felt the Lord said to me. Number one, that there are some people who feel like they love the Lord, but like Peter, they've done something that they feel disqualified. They don't feel that they've got a voice any longer in the place where they are. That's a lie. And I want to say to you, God wants to, like Peter, like he did to Peter, he wants to restore that. Secondly, I felt that there was a person or people who are struggling right now with a breathing in breathing. They're struggling. And if that's the case, I think John's going to make an opportunity for people to be prayed for. Please, won't you come when, when there's an opportunity? Thirdly, young people, and I don't know what that means exactly because I consider myself young, but young people, I, you know Rubik's Cube? Rubik's Cube? I'm saying to some young people here today, it's almost as if you look at your life and the Rubik's Cube has got the wrong colors and you've been trying and trying and there's not a right fit, I want to say to you today, the Lord wants to change it to one color on one side and it's, he wants to change that, that you know that it fits. God wants to change mission impossible to mission him possible. So Father, that's what I want to pray today. Uh, it's as Terry said, it's easy to be excited here. The, ch the real litmus test is tomorrow. And because we are on a mission from the Master, I pray that we would have immense adventures starting tomorrow because of our decision to embrace our mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Steve. I'm going to ask Janine and Elaine to...